Christmas time. Christmas time fills our hearts with joy as we think of lights, festivities, and gifts. But remember, Christmas means something more. It's the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us travel back to Bethlehem and share the story of his birth. came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from caesar augustus that all the world should be taxed and all went to be taxed everyone in his own city and joseph also went up from galilee out of the city of nazareth into into judea unto the city of david which is called bethlehem to be taxed with mary his espoused wife being with great child No, I'm sorry. Try across the way. Do we have any room Um, I'm terribly sorry, but there's a lot of people and it's full. Do we have any room? Uh, no, I don't have any room, but I have a stable like that. It's not much. Right this way. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night. Upon his fair birth, 
And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And though the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so afraid. Thank you. 
And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all that they had heard it wondered at these things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. When they saw this star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. We bring gifts for the newborn king. king. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let so this Christmas, as we see all the twinkling lights, let us remember the star that led the wise men to seek the Savior. As we take part in all of our festivities, let us rejoice and sing like the shepherds and angels who couldn't contain the good news. And finally, as we receive these gifts, let us remember the truth that all the Christmas presents in this world are worth nothing without the presence of God. Jesus is the one who loves us. 
Good morning, good morning. <clears throat> As always, tough act to follow. <clears throat> I'm excited for this week. I was out shopping yesterday. The lines are already super long. Um, the chaos is everywhere. I'm weird. I enjoy it. I love the I love the chaos. I love seeing parts in town that have usually have two cars on it. Suddenly there's 1,800. No one knows how to drive. I love all of it. Um, and I'm probably that guy that maybe some of you can relate. will go out shopping like Saturday and then say something like, I should have known better. Should have known better. Uh, there's always those on Christmas morning that get presents. And uh, typically it's children talking to their dad, but it can go the other way. And um, as dad gives mom a present, their kids kind of smile, look at dad and, will, and go, you should have known better. You should have known better. Uh, there's, I just went to another Christmas party last night. You tell yourself every single time, I'm not going to pig out. I'm not going to eat all the food. You wake up in the morning, should have known better. Should have known better. So... I wanted to take a look at maybe three familiar characters that I feel in the Christmas story should have known a little better. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you again um, for coming to earth, for um, just doing everything to prove uh, who you are, to prove your love for us. Um, the fact that we could do nothing to get ourselves right with God, and you have done it all. And so... Uh, thank you so much um, for the plan. Thank you for the way you have done things and continue to do things. We pray during this time that your spirit would do a mighty work, that we might just rejoice in our Savior, that we might uh, just have glad tidings to talk about when it comes to you. Um, Lord, be honored and glorified above all as we open your word. In your name, amen. So I'm going to go through a few characters here. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. Again, some of these stories might be familiar to you. Um, but sadly, I think uh, during this time, it's always a joyous time. We reflect on the fact that Jesus came to earth um, as a man um, to save us. There's a reason he came. Um, and I just think it's also, you know, in this time, it's interesting to just remember uh, we're like these people a lot also in the story. We are like these people a lot. So Matthew chapter 2 is the story of Herod. Remember the wise men come and say, Hey, uh, you know, we follow the star. Where is this one born king of the Jews? And this was Herod's response in verse 16 of chapter 2. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because there are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt." So Herod is a king during this time, 
and he has actually heard the word of God. Uh, in the beginning of chapter 2 there, the chief priests and scribes say, out of Micah, I believe it is, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler. Herod's response to hearing that word was almost a threat. If there's another king, I will lose my power, and I'm not going to let that happen. Well, you might not be as dramatic as Herod, but sometimes when we hear the word of the Lord, do you ever think, this is going to cost me too much to follow? I will not obey this scripture, because that means someone else is elevated, and instead of yourself, it's the Lord. And that also means I might lose out. If there's another king here, there can only be one. Herod lose will lose his, quote, kingship. But what should he have known better? <laughs> Herod honestly believes he's going to solve the problem by killing all these kids. And just like human nature, he thinks this prophecy that was prophesied so long ago, you have these wise men showing up kind of out of the blue, pursuing this star. Herod thinks, I'm still in control. I'm the one that can fix this. Let me kill all the children, and we're good. In fact, it's interesting to think about, and it's just glorified imagination, as I've said before. I wonder if at the end of his life he thought, see, I won. I stayed king. This other king did not come around. I dealt with the problem. He should have known better. He should have known better. In fact, if you read historically how he died, it's a horrible story. Uh, a lot of jealousy. He killed a lot of his family. They say he tried to commit suicide. And yet, <clears throat> he thinks he kept his right to the throne. He should have known better. He should have known better. Sometimes when we are given the word of the Lord, do we think no matter what, we're in control? We are in control. Let's turn over to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. King Herod should have known better that you cannot stop the plans of God. You should simply submit to them. Here's someone who was godly. Zechariah is a priest. Remember the story. He is in the temple. His lot fell to him to burn incense. Suddenly, standing at the right side of the altar of incense is an angel. And the angel tells him, your wife's going to have a baby, and is going to prepare the way, basically, for the next Messiah. And look at Zechariah's response in verse 11. I'm sorry, not in verse 11, uh, in verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. His response is basically, can you prove this? I don't believe it. Again, someone in the Christmas story, or a little beforehand, who was presented by the word of the Lord, saying what was going to happen, 
And his first response is, I don't believe it. How can this happen? Shouldn't he have known better? He's a priest. He's in the temple. An angel appears in the temple and starts talking to him. That's a pretty solid scene for maybe this is going to happen. And yet, just like most of us, hard to believe. I remember once I got real sick on the job. I had a tough boss. Uh, his name was Dr. Conti in New Haven. And uh, I went home early. And uh, like I said, he was, he was not the, uh, the warm, friendly boss. But that night, I remember getting a phone call and him saying, Mr. Clifford, this is Dr. Conti. How are you feeling? My first thought, and I said out loud, all I know is one thing, this ain't Dr. Conti, so who is this? To which the conversation went, Mr. Clifford, this is Dr. Conti. I said, no, it's not. Why would he be calling me? And about the third time, I recognized his voice, and I might have been speechless. I forgot what I said. I said, oh, I, oh, sorry. The point is, I heard his voice and I still didn't believe. And uh, Zachariah should know better. He, he, he's a priest. He's in the temple. He still goes, I don't know if I'm going to believe this. Uh, sad but true, most of us can relate to this, is that we would hear the word of God, and when we hear it, when God tells us something, they just don't want to believe it. It just can't be the best for our lives. Um, can I really apply this? Can I really trust him with this in the reality of my circumstances? He should have known better, but he didn't. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 4. This one was uh, the, the, quote, new thing I saw this year in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 4 says, When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler. Who should have known better? The chief priests and scribes. They knew God's word. When called upon to, I believe, a pagan king, these wise men from afar, they have foreigners. Foreigners who know absolutely nothing, we're thinking about, of Judaism, absolutely nothing of the faith. They have come and they've seen a star where is this one that's been prophesied, king of the Jews, born a king? The people that are supposed to know it, they know the Bible verse. Actually, we can take you right back to the prophets. Here in Micah, it says Bethlehem. Why should they know better? Because it does not appear like one of them went to Bethlehem. They heard and they knew the word of God, and they did not take one action on it. Not one. 
And if you're thinking it's such a huge trip, at least from my Google Maps and my little research, it's about five miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. So wise people come in. I'm sure the caravan was a scene of all this craziness coming in. The wise people who are supposed to know the Bible say, hey, it's right there, five miles away in Bethlehem. That's where he's supposed to be born. The wise men leave, and they do nothing. Nothing. They should have known better. It's not like they're taking a week's journey. I could probably walk a mile in 20 minutes. We're talking about under two-hour walk to get from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And it looks like they could have people to go with because the wise men are ready. And it would not appear like one of them went. They should have known better. They should have known better. You know, during Christmas time, it usually <laughs> takes a lot of action and a lot of planning to make everything work. And typically, there's someone in the house that just kind of shows up. Typically, behind the scenes, there's someone doing everything, just putting everything together and acting and buying and organizing and making phone calls. And then you just kind of get someone to show up. There was a story of a husband and wife who decided before they got married that he would make all the major decisions in the marriage and in their lifetime together, and she would make the minor ones. After 20 years of marriage, he was asked how this arrangement had worked. He said, great, in all these years, I've never had to make a major decision. Because all the decisions were made by his wife. Because, again, there's typically someone who just likes to be a part of the scene and show up, but never actually gives action. And hey, listen, I might be that guy during Christmas. I love it. <laughs> I love just showing up. But we would be a people that can easily get wrapped up into this as well. And our faith just ends up, as we talked about in Psalm 23 sometimes with those cast sheep, we just keep taking in God's word, taking in God's word, taking in God's word, and never once apply it. And we never once actually act on it. And we can tell the Christmas stories, and we can have a good time, but in your own personal life, you've actually never been moved to change during this time or any other time in your life. You just keep hearing Scripture, and you don't do a thing about it. You should know better, and I should know better. And yet, in closing, let's turn to the book of John. I saw everyone's eyes get real big when I said closing. It's okay. Again, maybe a familiar verse. John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me encourage us today that we should know better, and yet we don't. And we don't act on what we should know. And that's why during this time especially, we focus on the fact that our God became a man and put on flesh. And when he came, 
He was full of grace and truth. Why? Because the truth is that in God's economy, all the characters we just talked about did mess up. The truth is they made mistakes. And God did not back down. He didn't shy away from it. He said, yep, you messed up. But along with the truth comes grace. And him being full of grace would then extend to them and everyone else this idea of, listen, I'm here in the flesh because even though you should know better, you don't act on it, you don't pursue it, so let me do the work. I'm the only one that can do the work. Let me show up and walk among you and do miracles so that if you can't even believe the words I say, at least you can look at the works. Let me die on the cross for your sins. Rise again so that you simply have to believe and everything will be made right. That would be grace. Grace. Remember this Christmas, maybe we should be a little more gracious to people. Maybe we should look a little more at does the truth actually affect our lives? Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much for being full of grace and truth. It is a, uh, I don't know if that word is dichotomy, whatever it is, Lord, that uh, it's just, it's nice to meditate on and think about the fact that you are altogether the truth and altogether gracious. And somehow, mercy and truth, as it says, have kissed together. And that you have solved the problem of sin uh, without uh, being weak about it, without backing down, without just sweeping it under the rug. And you have done everything together perfectly. Thank you so much for the way you have dealt with us. And Lord, if we could just... If we could be like you, it would change the world. And so help us again to be like you so that we might just uh, shine forth as lights in a dark world. In your name, amen.